right, let us pray. God, I thank you that you're here with us now. You are our Emmanuel. Have the Holy Spirit be among us that open our hearts and our minds and our ears to your word as we reflect on the gift and the beauty and the mystery of the Incarnation this morning. Ask this in your name, Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. Let's set this loading. So we'll wait. Now, in the meantime, as we wait, which is actually quite fitting. So um, this is the Christmas season, but my mind is still stuck in Advent. So at least a little bit. And then partially because we live as Christians now in a season of Advent. Right? Advent is the time we remember God has come, God's promises are fulfilled, and yet there's still stuff to come. We're in between that space, so we have some of those promises now, and many of them we are waiting. They're not yet. And I find this truth to be in the text as well. Something else will load. I did have photos for this, but you know, you can listen to me and we can reflect. So, in the text, right, this is maybe not an Advent kind of thing. Before I... One more thing about incarnation. If you like words and you're like me, so incarnation, right? We talk about what does this mean? Why does it mean what it means? So incarnation for carnal or flesh or body, the Spanish carne. So Asian is the, the verbal noun. And so we have incarnation, right? God in the flesh, God made flesh there. So Phil, any, any help on the sermon? Can you run the slides up there if I can't? All right, I will surrender that. So you have to pardon there. They are quite rudimentary because they are, but hope they'll be. Can you do the next slide, please? This will be fitting. So right, we're in the season of Advent now and not yet, and then one more if you would. Alright, so there's this one rendition of Simeon holding baby Jesus. Jesus at this point is probably uh, a month and some change. The, this ritual that we hear about in Exodus 13 was to be in the first 40 days of life. So we can take that. Um, one more. I think the next one is Simeon and Anna, Joseph and Mary and the baby here. So now, um, one more. There we go. So here's the now. This is, this is a baby. This is what Simeon sees in his eyes, with his own eyes. Now the Holy Spirit revealed more than this, but this is it. He sees a baby and he says, wow, I've seen the salvation. I've seen the Messiah. And he praises and Perhaps now he can say he can depart in peace. He can depart from this life. Perhaps same with Anna. I don't know. Now, if you're like me, though, it's hard to, to forget what Jesus becomes, right? All that he does and all that he is for us. So you, Simeon sees this and the Holy Spirit reveals more. We may think of a little bit more. If you can do the next slide, please. We may be thinking about this. All the miracles and all the wonder. The fish, the bread, the wine, walking on the water, the death, the resurrection. All of this lumped into. But remember, what is, what is Simeon and Anna see? They see just a baby. Next slide, Phil, if you would. They see this. Now, why do I point this out? I think this is because this is the life that we, we live by faith. The righteous, we live by faith. John, um, Jesus affirms this to his disciples right after his resurrection, he says, oh, you see, you believe because you see, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. And this is what disciples have been doing throughout the centuries, right? Simeon sees, but he doesn't see. He doesn't see all of it. If Anna's 84 and Jesus starts his ministry somewhere around the age of 30, she may not have seen that as well. And that's okay. 
there are a lot of promises that we have right now. We have the scripture. We have the community of saints. We have the forgiveness of sins. We have the sacraments that we will celebrate God coming to us here and now in a, in a very special way. But there's a lot of things that are not yet realized. Uh, next slide, Julian. Right? We don't, not, we don't have our new bodies. These bodies we still have, have sin in them, have sickness, have death. Um, we're not yet with those who are departed. And maybe this is because I'm a chaplain and I see just, just on Friday, I went and did Christmas Eve services with people who were in the hospital. They could not leave. And so I'm often remembered the mixture of joy and pain that accompanies us in, in this life, even on Christmas, right? The happy holiday, but it's not always 100% happy, right? There's joy and gratitude for all that God has done right here and now, but there still is aches and pains knowing that things in this world and our own lives are not yet how they could be and will be, right? For those who have lost loved ones, if this is first Christmas without those you love, if this is the second Christmas, if this is the 23rd Christmas, it still can bring that sorrow, right? And this is the, the world that God is with us in, the world of joy and sorrow. So, now, the now, incarnation is Jesus in the flesh, is the child, he grows in wisdom and stature, but now in this world, in this life, we are his body, we are his his flesh, his, his church, right? That's how people will know is through our love. And this is what Paul's talking about in, in our epistle text here is how to do that. The, the summary, I think, was well done in the, in the bulletin. Wrap yourselves with characteristics, peace, and the word of Christ. Right here, the Colossians. So we can, ah, doing great. So I see four elements in the incarnation that are worth reflecting on for ourselves about how is Jesus here for us and then how can we embody that in our own lives. So those are, excellent, mystery, honor, humility, and patience. And I'll touch one at a time here. So the mystery is this, and I don't think about it too much because I don't know what to do with it. I don't know there's much to do with it, but accept it. So Jesus is God, very God of very God, very light, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, right? As the creed does say and we will say, but how do you make sense of that? So Jesus is also a human baby boy about a month old. How, does, I mean, how do you even make that? What does that mean? How much does Jesus know at this point or not know? How much power does he have access to? And we can start to wonder all these questions. And one of my seminary professors, uh, he, he preached on this once, and he would just give example after example and kind of just smirk and say, oh, it makes you uncomfortable, doesn't it? Right? The fact that we can say this is God, but yet this is the God that needs human parents to change him, to feed him, to protect him. And this is a mystery. And I, I think simply we do, we just take it for what it is. And we say, I do not understand, but we celebrate that God can work things far beyond what we understand. And that is a very good thing, that we do not have to understand it for it to be true. Now, for me in my ministry as a chaplain, I think about... What does this mean for me? How can I live this mystery out in the incarnated love that I try to provide? I hear stories and people tell me things and I don't quite know what categories to put everything in. Sometimes it's very easy. Oh, that person experienced some really deep trauma. They're dealing with PTSD. All right. That makes, that, we can put that in a box. It's not good, but it is uh, understandable on a level. It's all they're experiencing moral injury about the injustices of the world that they've seen within themselves or the world around them or in war. All right, that, you can label that. Um, some people, though, 
some people experience abuse. All right, that's clear. That makes, okay, that's not good. Put the label on that. Some things other people tell me stories and I think, what is that? Like, is that the mental illness? Is that the demonic that they're hearing? Is that the divine that they're hearing? They hear voices. Where, what category is that? I don't know. Just the other day, a veteran who had died many, many, many times has told me some of those stories, uh, described a few instances which it sounded to me, and I, I told them, I said, is that, is that an angel appearing to you? Like in these times of crisis, and this figure would say to them, you know, it's okay, God's got things under control, God is still with you, and it was a, it was a hope in times of really deep uh, uh, trauma. And then at the same time, they told me stories earlier about hearing voices and, and people impersonating some loved ones, and I think, well, is that, is that demonic? Like, what is that? Is that a mental illness? They, they're diagnosed with that, so maybe. I, I don't know, but I don't know. And perhaps you, those of you who have been trained in, or trained in or received some care through the Stephen ministry here will get a sense of this, that sometimes a good way of loving people is not to think about their life, their pain, their problems as, oh, I must understand this, I must solve it. Sometimes there is a problem to solve, and sometimes there simply is, I don't know, something that isn't solvable, isn't knowable, isn't there to be fixed, it's simply there to be joined with them and say, I don't understand either, and that's uncomfortable. And perhaps still the same, we can sit with the people, with those around us in those times and not try to fix it or solve it or break it down and just say, I'm going to love you anyways, even if it doesn't make sense to me, even if it doesn't fit into my category, into a nice box. I'll just surrender that. Which makes me think about the second one here, about what I see Jesus is honor. And that Jesus, in his incarnation, he honors us in so many levels. First, and that he chose not only to be close to us, Right? But he chose to be one of us. And we can think about this on, on several levels. First, that he didn't say, well, figure yourselves out first. We could stop sitting, get a little cleaner, and then I'll come close to you. Or I'll come close to you, but you kind of keep your distance. Keep your distance. Um, because, yeah, he didn't say that. He said, no, I love you, so I will be with you. I will be with you. I will be one of you. I will embody your own body. And so he honors our bodies. I don't know if you think about that, like the, the Lord honored our own bodies, our eyes, our ears, our toes, our fingers, all of it. The parts that are more obviously, the parts we keep more hidden, right? All of, all of that, he honored that. And I think that's lovely. He also honors the family. You think about Mary and Joseph, not exactly the traditional nuclear family that we would know in this culture, right? Mary and Joseph, they have a child. Not out of wedlock, they're betrothed, but you know, there's a lot of questions I'm sure that came up when Mary and Joseph went to their small town home of Bethlehem. Like, well, tell us again, how did this happen? <laughs> how did you get pregnant, Mary? Where did this baby come from? Who's the father? And yet, Jesus enters into that space. So, I think also then, what does that mean for us as Christians? How can we then honor those who are in our lives, whether they're Christians or not, is we can be with them in the same way. And, and perhaps even literally just being with someone, taking the time out of our own lives, our own agendas, our own interests to say, I will be with you in your interest, in your time, in your moment. Whether that means to go to the games, to go eat together, to sit down, to pray, to listen. Right? A lot of what I do as a chaplain is just to listen. And my hope is that by listening to someone as they work through their loss, 
their grief, their trauma, their uncertainty, their addiction, whatever it may be, that I can say, hey, your struggle, your life is important. <laughs> a theologian that was important to me when I was a child uh, uh, said it this way in a song, like, that every single moment it matters, right? Whether I'm in the dentist chair, it matters to God, right? All the hairs on our head, he knows that, like, all the little things are important. And so we each have that opportunity to honor the ones we are with and that God puts in our lives just to be with them, to embrace them, right? Whether they're young, we have some very young ones here, whether they're very old, new life, many life, I could go on. Thirdly, I hear, uh, I see in Jesus' incarnation, particularly in this text, a humility, and humility in action. First, that God humbles himself to be Right, God, who has all power, humbles himself to be one as a human who is frail and has little to no power. The one who has all knowledge grows in wisdom and stature, as, as Luke puts it, which again boggles my mind. I don't get that. Um, he humbles himself, right? The God who made, who was around before the creation of the world, who created Joseph and Mary, humbles himself to be cared for by fallible human beings. The other part of it, the humility, I'll call it submission, it, which has a, a kind of understandable kind of negative connotations, but in this case, Jesus submits himself to the, the, the requirements of the Lord. Right? Mary and Joseph, perhaps we could say they're the ones doing this, but uh, he, Jesus is perfect. He's sinless. He, he needs no redemption. He needs not to be bought or, or to be redeemed or the sacrifices for his sins, and yet he grows up in these rituals and submits to them year after year, month after month, day after day, Sabbath after Sabbath. Um, and he tells John the Baptist at his baptism, because John also is puzzled by this, right? He comes to be baptized later. He says, well, why? You need to baptize me. And Jesus says, no, this is to fulfill all righteousness. And this is a good lesson for us as well. First, in the humility to whomever you're called to serve, right? I don't know about you, but where I have worked and through my years, not everyone that I am called to care for, whether it's at the hospital, whether it's in my neighborhood, whether it's people I work with, or whether it's patients, or it's people in my department, they're not always easy to work with because they're people. And sometimes they're not easy to work with because they think different than me, and I don't always want people to think different. I just want it my way right now, and someone thinks differently, and it's hard for me, right? Or it's perhaps difficult because they're sinful. Or perhaps because the work is tedious. The joke around the hospital would be, you know, if we could only find a way to, pay, to provide patient care and not have to sit around on a computer and document it, that would be a glorious day. Oh. But what is humble service but to do all of it? It is all important, even if it's not always immediately rewarding. And so... You know, the Lord calls us to serve whomever we are as to the Lord. So I don't know who that is in your life, who you're called to serve, but perhaps you can hear that call to serve like our Lord, who humbled himself to be a child and grow up through the ways. But also, there's something to be said about repentance, right? This Christmas season is not just, it is good news, but it's good news and an invitation, right? Goodwill and peace on earth and goodwill to man on whom his favor rests. And this favor is offered as an invitation. Come and follow. Take up your cross and follow me. Right? Turn away from the thoughts and the words and the deeds that are not of God and do another way. 
And this submission is not difficult. At least it's not difficult for me. There are parts, there are sins in my life that are natural to me, that I like, and I think maybe they're not so bad because they're not these other sins. But the Lord says, submit, repent, give them up. And so, pray, Lord, have mercy that he would give us that humility to submit. Because we need, we need to submit far more than Jesus ever did, and yet he did as well. Lastly, patience. So Jesus right now is one month old. I guess a show of hands here, who here is over the age of 30? That's maybe not too, in, right? Okay, a lot of us. That, right, that's not too hard to admit, right? I'm not saying how much over 30. <laughs> so you all have known patience, um, but think about that. Again, how much does Jesus know of his, his mission and what will it take? I, I don't, that, that's the line that we don't know. But to wait year after year after year for 30-some years until then his baptism and then he begins his ministry, that's patience. And I think about it for myself, that encourages me or challenges me to be patient and well, patient endurance, endurance in righteousness. That can I, with the situation of people in my life, and I'm thinking about the hospital, there are people that come back month after month, year after year, sometimes less often, sometimes more, and their problem hasn't always changed. Sometimes it's gotten worse. Sometimes their habits catch up to them and they come back again and I have to say, Lord, have mercy that I may have patience with this person and not heap my disappointment and my sorrow on them. Not to say, oh, again, you came back again for the same problem. When will you learn? No, patience for them, love for them, love for those in my life, love for the patience for the situations that may not change. Right? Can we still seek to honor the Lord in our words and our deeds, even when the situation doesn't change today, maybe not tomorrow, maybe not until we die, we may not see change, but can we persist patiently? So, um, I hope then, again, can start wrapping things up, that you can think about the mystery of the incarnation. It may boggle your mind, but it is still true. Think about the ways that Jesus honors you, your own body, your own human condition, your own human family. When you think about his humility to be born under fallible human patience, God himself humble himself in the human family and also humble himself to obey the rituals and commandments that the Lord passed down and patiently waited for the time that the Lord appointed to do his ministry. And perhaps that will encourage you or challenge you or a little bit of both to embody that in your own life. So I have four questions for you to think about. Hopefully that's the next slide. Oh, here we go. Excellent. <laughs> so take this as you, as you with here. Are, what are parts of my life or someone else's life can I accept as mystery today? In other words, can I accept it as not fully knowable? Can I accept that today with them or someone else? Think about honor. Who is God calling me or you, calling us to serve, to honor with your love and your presence today. About humility. Who is God calling you to serve? To serve perhaps under, serve in a humble task, a humble way. Or what sin is God inviting you to surrender, to repent and submit to his will? Or how about patience? What situation today can you accept today as unchanged? 
even though you want it to change, can you say, this has not changed today. Lord, give me strength to love today, even though this is the way it is. And to that end, remember God is with us as we seek to go out and be God with the world around us and here among ourselves.